Welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McCarthy, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together they make up the Church Safety Guys, their mission to inspire, influence, and impact church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church. Well, good evening and welcome to the Sunday night broadcast of the Church Safety Guys. I am James and I am joined by my co-hosts, Mike Scully and Paul Buckner. What's up, guys? How are you guys doing tonight? (laughs) We're in the South here, Mike. We're experiencing snowpocalypse, so, you know. Yep. Hi, children. uh... Get the the milk, the eggs, the cheese, get home, the bread. And Not even that. <laughs> it's like the 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 entire the entire parking lot of our local grocery store was covered in a sheet of ice, and here in Texas, nobody knows what they're doing with not only treating the roads but driving, of course, on ice. No one seems to know what they're doing, and so everything is like shut down. Um, our churches were closed today. Vast majority of the folks I network with in the area, they all shut down services for online only today. Just, I mean, it's we're expecting uh, single digits tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and, well and we're we're getting the tail. I was just going to say we're getting the tail end of that. So up up in Ohio, it was like thirty degrees. So it was a natural heat wave. And uh, then tomorrow night, we're supposed to get, I think, eight to ten is what they're saying. Um, yeah, there's there's so many things that are impacted by stuff like this <laughs> where. Um, roofs are not built for certain types of snow loads in the South because we don't get them. Um, and so I guarantee you, they're going to be roofs that'll collapse. And I, I pray that no one's hurt. Um, there are some older homes don't have the insulation for it. They weren't made for it. And uh, true story. If you go into some of the, like the centennial homes down here, they don't have internal insulation between the walls and you'll, you'll walk by a centennial home. And as you do, there's a, a section where they drilled out and they actually blew insulation in before any of us were born. And then they stuck a little a plug back in it. True story. And you'll walk by and go, that's over 100 years old. And there's a lot of things like that. Or we don't have the budget, especially in the rural areas. We don't have a snow plow per street. Oh. And, uh, you know, you got table salt, not road salt. So it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy when you're when you're driving around looking at things and people assume that they can leave their house and go to work. And these these crews have been working all night and they've got a third of the roads done if you're lucky. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy in the Midwest and in, in the South. <clears throat> table salt and not road salt. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> you're lucky if you get anything that will clear it. <laughs> Well, we, we don't have, like, we do have probably more equipment than I know at least Mike does down in Texas, but the, the reality for us in Ohio is there's so many interstates running through that much of the, the, um, much of the equipment spends its time on the interstates before it gets out, you know, outside of, you know, the general interstate circles and, and that sort of thing. So we're, we're lucky. I think we've lived in the same house now for four, almost 14 years. And I think I've seen a plow come down my street, like 
maybe once <laughs> in 14 years. I don't know what the so. topography is like, and then we need to get then we need to get to our guest. But I don't know what the topography is like in your two locations. <laughs> but in mine, if you're if you leave your driveway and you start across across the road to leave your neighborhood, it goes like this. And so, like, if you go into any kind of a skit, it's not like, oh, you know, oh, I bought the neighbor's car. It's like, I'm going to meet Jesus. <laughs> like, the road was built up because of water. And so you're like, you slide off the road. It's like, well, we're dead. It's like, Paul's, I just, I'm sorry. I just have visions in my head of Paul screaming, Jesus, take the wheel. Yes. <laughs> <He's going down. laughs> there's, there's very little forgiveness once you leave the roadway. It's, it's. Oh, <laughs> so if you're just joining us or joining us at a later time on YouTube or, or one of our, our podcast engines, uh, feel free to, to click like and subscribe in the lower right hand corner. And uh, so we've got some, some fun stuff planned for tonight. Um, but for, for starters, I want to play a quick uh, intro video. It's just a 30 second clip of something, some, some new, uh, news that we have to announce for you guys and gals, and uh, and then we'll bring our guest in. So I'm going to go ahead and start that, and then we'll chat about it for a second, and and uh, we'll we'll go ahead and, and bring our guest in tonight. So we're, we're back with you. So basically, uh, February 26th, we have the opportunity. If, if you guys uh, watched last week's episode, we actually played um, an interview that we did with Charlie Min, uh, the film director of Miracle on 4th Street. And so uh, after much discussion with, with Charlie and, uh, and just talking to him about uh, our, our mission with churches and whatnot, uh, he actually gave us, <clears throat> excuse me, gave us permission to be the online exclusive uh, streamer for for that movie. And so, um, on the 26th, we're still working out the details. Um, you can go to visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for more information. Uh, but we will have that movie available for streaming uh, for for you. And uh, I believe right now the the cost of that is uh, $10 uh, per, per uh, ticket or per online uh, streaming. And uh, right now it's actually only available in several theaters in Texas. So um, for that sake, if you, you know, if you're interested in that, definitely you can check out the trailer on our website and um Charlie has graciously, and I'm not, we're not sure at this point where he, where it's going to be going after, 
being in the theaters in Texas. It released in El Paso uh, this weekend on Friday, and then it's going to, I believe, 11 other theaters uh, in Texas. And um, so, uh, Paul, you were going to, I'll throw it over to you. Yeah, so I want everybody that's at home to, to understand when, when James had this conversation with Charlie, this was only going to be in a very few theaters, um, oddly enough, close to Mike, that you would physically have to go see this. And James had this amazing idea. Hey, what if we could stream this online and other people could see this? Because we've got an interview, Frank Pomeroy. We've got a, we, we've had the opportunity to interview Stephen Williford. These are life-changing interviews. And this is a story that needs to be told. And so this was a way to take this to the modern level, the modern era and stream this. And you can watch this wherever you are. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, this is worth the price of admission. So, uh, this is going to be an opportunity to understand things about what happened there and maybe help prevent them in our own churches that we would not otherwise be exposed to. There, I, I, unless I go sleep on Mike's couch and I'd pretty much have to walk <laughs> no shoes, there's no way for me to get down there and see that movie. So so you guys want to tune in. You want to check this out. It's going to be tail end of this month, so don't miss it. And I wanted to make sure I wanted to make sure that we stressed that this is a coup. Yeah. This is a big deal. And uh, on the back end, it's going to bless a lot of churches. So anyway, James. Yeah. And, and it was a lot of discussion between Charlie and I. He's never done um, something online private. I just threw the idea out there. And, and Charlie has like if you go into Amazon, Charlie's done a number. I think he said 33 different documentaries. Um, so he's a, a really well-known uh, true crime director. And uh, from what I've seen and just talking to him, it was great. Um, some of his his take on uh, the, the Sutherland Spring shooting was really more, let's look at how people are now. And, you know, we talk about that all the time on the, on the, on the broadcast, um, you know, dealing with the aftermath of, you know, something tragic like that happening. And so he's been able to go back three years after it happened and actually show sides of the story that y you won't get anywhere else. You're not going to, uh, apart from maybe listening to some of our conversations with, with Stephen or, or with, uh, pastor, pastor Frank. Um, so it's, it is a, a very unique experience for us. We're going to have it for about a week and we'll see how it goes from there. If, if we do really well with it, you know, he's, he's commented that, uh, he will let us have it longer. Um, but again, we, we just don't know. I, I mean, I've had several churches reach out to me and say, Hey, you know what? We're going to, we're going to watch it. That's awesome. We're going to use it as a resource. So, um, it's really just, um, it's going to come down to how many people we have interested if, if we can do something like this again in the future, or if it's, if it's really worth it, but we felt like the story was worth it. And in an attempt to get it outside of Texas for, <laughs> for those of you that won't go stay in, in Mike's house. So <laughs> as, uh, as much as I'd uh, like to turn into an Airbnb, um, <laughs> right. beyond that though i i think yeah you're right this is this is a great story to get out there for folks to see and i think for for those that are, are serving on teams this is a story that you really want to understand what what the heart condition what the of that pastor of their team of the tragedy that struck them but beyond that how they resiliently have risen beyond it and so it this this movie is going to be the human element it's not just going to be um, certainly the, the, the tragic parts of it. And we'll hear from Steven in the movie and, and hear from Frank and, and so forth. But 
it's really beyond that. And I think it's important for us when we're so focused on procedure and Mm -hmm. tactics and day-to-day checking the box tasks that we need to step back and understand that, hey, guys, we're still in a ministry. This is still a church that needs to be operated. We're still trying to reach the lost. And we got to have that heart and be ready for it. So this is one of those ways that we can make sure we're continuing to invest in ourselves. But it's also would be a great opportunity to disciple your teams and say, hey, guys, let's let's all watch this together. And then maybe we fellowship and and kind of group study after. Okay. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's if there's a church, if you're interested in doing that in a group type setting, uh, there's more information on our website. So you're you're welcome to reach out to us. Um, but uh, this evening, so you'll you'll hear about us uh, kind of trying to get the word out about that in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we'll uh, we'll let you know how how that goes and just send out some reminders via email and, and different things like that. So uh, tonight we have a familiar face and familiar guest back with us. And uh, so I will actually bring him in and uh, we're going to hopefully talk about the, the OODA loop and some other things. So welcome, <laughs> Mr. Blevins, welcome back. <laughs> hey, thanks. I'm glad to be here as always. Thanks for, for joining our, our crazy nut house of a, of a broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was mistaken on the topic though. And I know you said Paul was pretty excited about it, but the topic I was given, I don't know who gave it to me was overcoming intimacy issues in marriage on Valentine's day. Here. But, <laughs> no, that's fine. We can switch that to Oodle Loop. Let me scratch. Well, I mean, I can see how the, the Oodle Loop would benefit your marriage. Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, there's maybe a little bit of overlap. <laughs> Next on the church safety guys, Kirk Cameron. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Observe. She's angry. Orient. She's really angry. Decide. I think I'm going to run. Act. Yeah. You know, what's funny is my son had that same analogy earlier when I told him what we were going to be talking about today. He, you know, before he left, he said, you know, dad, that works in marriage for Valentine's Day, too. I said, yeah, you're right, son. Yeah. That's 23 awesome. years old and he knows. Smart. Raised him yeah. well. That's good. <laughs> oh my goodness! All his wants to Paul Buckner care of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send all, send all the hate mail to Paul. He can, <laughs> he can handle it. So we'll we'll jump right in. So we uh, so we actually have time tonight because it's you know we're running out. Of it. <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, um, so Paul, this is kind of this has kind of been your your thing. Oh so man, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it over to you, and you can. <laughs> so, so the obviously, and I'd love to hear some of the background of the OODA loop. You being an Air Force veteran, the OODA loop at one time, and and just uh, touch on where it came from and who. It, but it was a closely guarded secret, and this was something that really a lot of people didn't know who it came from, where it came from, until actually fairly recently. Because uh, when we're talking Korean War era up until now, so it was at, at a time it was even what you might consider a closely guarded military secret. But it's it's a way of looking at something we all do, and then of course we can bring that over into how to protect our families and our churches. So would you want to unpack that, as Mike says, and, and talk about the history? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, what I've noticed, uh, particularly at our seminars, is is um, 
most people don't even know what UDA stands for. So I think we, we'll just start there first. Sure. I know we were kind of joking about it before, um, but it is an acronym and that people can look up. And it's kind of interesting as, um, you know, as we talk about the history of it, but to see all the different ways it's been adapted. It's been in law enforcement for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and for somebody to see, I get feedback after a seminar, like, wow, I never thought of it from a church security standpoint and, you know, in, in those concepts. Uh, but UDA stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. And um, the graphic is literally a loop. That, that I have, because as you'll see, as we go through it, that it's okay to go back. Maybe something didn't work in the act portion after mm. we've de-escalated a situation, you know, we decided how we're going to act um, and we do that action, but yet we're not getting the desired results. What, what might have we have missed early on in that process? Um, the history of it really goes back to uh, Colonel John Boyd back in the 1950s. Yeah, he was an Air Force pilot. This was, there was a lot of pilots coming out of the jet engine era was coming into play into the Air Force at this time. And the pilots that were still around from the prop era were having a hard time transitioning to the jet engines, um, the, the how the airplane handled maneuverability, all the gauges, switches, everything else that was added to that concept. And so... He had he came up with this with the thought of, okay, we need to train our minds. We need to practice training our minds so that we can react much quicker than what they were. And that was the biggest thing. They were used to the props. It was a slow responding aircraft. It, it, it did not, um, they, their thought process could be a lot slower in it. If this pilot is doing this, I can counter with this and so on. You hit the jet era, you know, and you, you all think of like the Top Gun. You know, you look at movies like the Top Gun where it shows that combat type um, dogfighting training that they do. And it's very quick. It's, it's a very fast paced. And they were losing pilots and losing planes because of that. So long story short, he, he, he developed this to, to, to really just help the pilots at that time. Since then... It had, it's such a great concept that it, it, it's been adapted, like I said, for law enforcement and a lot of other agencies. And then I've adapted it more into the church security end of things. And I've seen others do it as well, uh, which is great. I, you know, it's, it's not something you can really train on. It's actually on a Saturday morning. This is like I do situational awareness and OODA loop together usually uh, pretty close to good because they kind of tie together in many ways. And um, OODA loop is just really, a, you know, the whole section's maybe 30 or 40 minutes long on a Saturday morning while people are waking up, drinking their coffee um, before we beat them up with defensive tactics. So it's, um, so it, because it's something that you just have to practice more and more on your own. And we'll talk more about that. What does that look like? Nice. If we look at, um, so at any time, jump in, because I know, Paul, I'm going to, I'm going to share a story, but I know you've, You've got one, two, uh, or two, or six. Um, but, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It was my inner voice coming out. <laughs> um, uh, but the OODA loop is really part of that. The the O for observe is really part of that situational awareness, um, you know, that first step. Last weekend, 
we're walking through the parking lot at our church. My wife and I had parked. We're getting there early. She's on staff. So we get there plenty early. And we notice, we walked past this car. We both kind of noticed it, but neither one of us said anything uh, about it till later that night. Um, I looked inside. She had kind of looked inside as well. Um, she has an intern that her and the intern were heading over to the offices to check something out. And my wife says, did you notice that car in the parking lot? And she's like, no, she's like, and my wife's like, yeah, it had no front license plate, no back license plate. It's running. It's, you know, she gave all this and, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, people, you know, the others on staff are like, yeah, we know who you're married to. Um, <laughs> you know, and I know your wife has, you know, run into similar things or you've used examples with her out in parking lots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it was great to see that she observed all too often. You know, we we talk about uh, the Cooper color code a lot and all too often most people are living in the white. They're oblivious to what's going on. They're just concerned with their next thought, their next, you know, you know, whatever it is on their cell phones, um, totally um, just oblivious, uh, you know, as we know in society. Almost to the point where not just oblivious, it's they they almost find no reason to ever escalate, to ever elevate beyond that even keel. It's just they're floating through and what happens happens. So it, some are stuck there permanently. Some just right. for whatever reason regress there or always stay in a state of white. But some do obviously progress through that cycle on a, on a continual basis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's it's teaching ourselves to be in that yellow a little bit more. You know, yeah. those of us that carry a firearm probably every day of the week or most days of the week, we know that, that we got we have to be in that yellow. We can't take things for granted on what's going on. Um, so it's avoiding distractions. So, so, you know, in it, it's in the observation, it's avoiding obstacles. Uh, we avoid, you know, our cell phone use, um, so that we're not distracted on that. A lot of times if I have to use my cell phone, I'm not going to use it and walk at the same time for multiple reasons. I'm getting older and it's harder to do, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, we, we avoid the cell phone use. Uh, I'll often step off to where I can still observe what's going on around me and then talk on my phone as opposed to walking and talking and then not knowing what's going happening around me or behind me and so on on that. But it's being aware of that. Um, being aware of our physical state, uh, you know, as far as, you know, what kind of alcohol consumption might have happened, medications, and maybe lack of sleep. You know, in it, I just had a second sleep study this last week, and um, I don't know why they put the word sleep in it. It just doesn't, no sleep happens during those things. Um, but it's, I, I know that the way the lack of sleep that I get at night can affect my reaction time, have my thought processes, my discernment, all, all of those things. I often tell church, uh, you know, security or safety members that it's okay to, to not serve that morning. Mm-hmm. You know, take an assessment of yourself um, and are you able to serve? And if if you're not, then don't. It would be better that you don't serve that morning. And it's okay. Grace. You know, it's good. It's a great thing to give and receive on that. Um, it. Go ahead. Did you have something, Paul? We've all needed it. I mean, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And you, really quickly, if somebody wants to read more about what, what Dan just said, um, Colonel Dave Grossman has two excellent books on killing and on combat. And I've, I've had people try to like avoid those because just because of the titles don't, 
because what he's talking about with the sleep study and missing sleep and, and alcohol and nicotine and whatever distractions are happening around you, all of those impact where your brain is. And I liken it to our brains wash uh, every REM cycle when we sleep, our brains wash through and, and remove toxins. Well, if that's a windshield and the windshield wipers need to be replaced or they need help, you're not getting a clean windshield. And there are a lot of people due to forgiveness issues or alcohol or drugs or whatever's going on in their life, sleep apnea, that you're not operating at full, you're not operating, you know, full throttle. And you could be more and more impaired to the point that if you haven't slept in two days, uh, it's the equivalent of being intoxicated. So Toddlers. <laughs> well, I, I noticed, I think it's interesting, but <clears throat> the more and more I study it, the more I like it in the, in the concepts of the, the OODA loop, because you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're not, if you're not looking, if you're not aware, if you're not observing, you're not going to see anything, right? If you, if, you know, every Sunday when I walk through uh, my church, I, I'll do a, a building sweep, um, walk around the perimeter and then I'll walk through the inside of the building as well. And if I'm not, you know, if I don't have enough sleep, if I haven't had my coffee yet that, that morning, I mean, a whole, a whole number of ifs, um, you know, I can, I can feel myself either being slow in my response or cranky in my response. Right. So I can be like, Hey, you know what? I'm not, I'm not focused and it, it happens to all of us. It's not just, you know, no, no one is removed from uh, the necessity to focus on, a, um, on observing and, and actually looking at what you're, you know, at what you're seeing. So we've risen to yellow at that stage as we're drinking our coffee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ye yellow comes quicker with coffee. That nope. <laughs> as it fills, as it, the heat fills it, it changes color and it goes from white to yellow. And it needs to be CSG with a little emblem. <laughs> you know, if we, I was just thinking if we, if we put together a, uh, a coffee mug that did that, that would be a killer, killer marketing thing, right? It yep, changes well, colors to, <laughs> yeah, you look at, you know, you, but you, we could even do a coffee, you know, <laughs> the, you, you, you know, and market it from that standpoint to the, to, to, to all these church coffee shops that are around the country. Loop coffee. Loop coffee. Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> Write yeah. that, write that down, Mike. That's a, that's a future marketing plan right there. <laughs> yep. Well, Dan, I want to go back just for a second. Is you said something that I do this all the time, and and we've talked, and and all of us have talked, and this is why this is so important. I'm always looking for threats, and I was I'm at a gas station that I'm at almost every day. Um, I get coffee and a, and breakfast there, and I head to to an appointment, and I look over, and as I pull up and park. There's a vehicle that, and, and this is very transient parking. People are always moving in and out of this parking lot. And so it was an instant DLR and my brain pinged it and my threat level rose just a little bit. And as I did a double take at it, there was no occupant. But as I did a double take, there was no front plate. And then oddly enough on this car where we used to have, and, and I'm dating myself, all, all of us will remember these, the pickup truck with the vent window or the SUV with the little vent window, there was a little pocket window in front of the actual glass you could move and it was busted out. So now my threat level has gone much higher that we have somebody potentially in the vicinity that has stolen a vehicle. 
So I divert. Now there's nobody in the vehicles around me. I walk over and as I walk by, it looks like somebody's been living in this car. So there's a sleeping bag and there's stuff in the floorboard. So now my concern about this car has gone up. I already know there's nobody within a hundred yards of me in any direction. And as I walk by, I knew what I was going to see, no back plate. So I chaplain the local department. It's a matter of a phone call. They're going to swing through and check it out. The things in an impound yard, I guarantee it. Um, waiting on its owner to be able to get it back. But to your point, if you're walking across your parking lot, that could save your backside because your, your wife saw no front plate, no back plate. It's running. There was some concern there. All of those could be pre-fight, pre-incident indicators that somebody has staged themselves for trouble, or at least this might be somebody who's desperate. And so I, I love that analogy. And, and, you know, we all do it at our churches. I mean, James, you do a security sweep every Sunday. So, well, and, and I will, I'll throw this out there real quick and then we probably need to need to take a sponsor break, but, um, you know, today we had one of the, one of the gals on our team, uh, we watch our, our church campus. And then across the street, we have a, a really busy, uh, road in front of our church. And then across the street, we have an office building, um, that's a house basically. And then one of the pastors lives next door to that. And so during the day, we always watch during the Sunday service when everybody's in the church, we watch those two buildings as well. And uh, one of the gals um, commented and said to me today, I happen to be walking by and I, I was checking in with her just to say, you know, how's it going? Touch base and that sort of thing. And she's like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fine. And I said, okay. So I went to continue and she's like, James. And I, I turned around and um, there was a van that was pulling into one of the driveways across the street. And uh, it looked like a, an Amazon van or delivery van. But the problem was that it, it wasn't right. Am, Amazon vans are, are usually full panel vans. This had windows and there was a lot of weird stuff in the back. So I don't know what they were actually doing. Um, I think they were just trying to turn around and they got stuck on some ice cause it was a bad driveway. So not trying to make it into this espionage. Oh my goodness. It was far worse than it, it, it was thing, but I applauded the fact that the gal was standing there. She looked out the window across the street and saw something that wasn't usual. Like she observed it and it, it was enough that nice. it raised a red flag to say, Hey, what do you think? And, you know, when we see that, when we see our team members doing that, we need to, to remember to applaud that because that's the type of behavior on a regular, consistent basis that we want, you know, want our team to be, be demonstrating. So I'm going to, we'll go ahead and we'll go to a quick uh, sponsor break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the, the Orient uh, decide and act piece of it. So uh, don't go anywhere and uh, and we'll be right back with you. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service.
worst has happened. Evil has invaded the sanctuary. Lives were ended, and the life of every surviving member of your church has changed forever. There will be funerals to attend. The grieving and the counseling will go on for years to come. You may even lose church members, especially if your pastor was killed during the attack. But what if I told you that all of this could have been prevented with the proper training? That your church could learn how to secure its campus and how to see the signs of an attack before it happens. At Shield Force International, we will teach you the skills you need to protect your church, to protect your children, to mitigate and even eliminate would-be threats to your church body all before it happens. We can no longer pretend that evil doesn't exist or that churches aren't targets. Attacks against churches and pastors are on the rise. Call or visit us online for a free consultation. Even at church, bad things can happen. Medical emergencies, active shooters, predators, even domestic disputes. Is your church, is your ministry, is your sanctuary prepared? Do you have a safety or security team? Find out how you can be with James McGarvey's new book, The Case for Church Safety and Security. James McGarvey's experience and training, along with a biblical foundation, bring much-needed information in today's trying times. It offers a true biblical perspective for starting, keeping, and growing a safety or security ministry in your church or place of worship. The Case for Church Safety and Security, a brand new book, includes a special foreword by Frank Pomeroy, the pastor at the First Baptist Church, Sutherland Springs, Texas, where they experienced the worst active shooter in U.S. history. This compelling book shares insight on preparing yourself and your church from potential threats with a biblical worldview. Start your journey to a more secure ministry and worship freely knowing you're safe. Get more information now at churchsafetyguys.com and pick up your copy today. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping equip, train, and disciple church safety and security teams. We're about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We're protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources. So we're back. Uh, you're listening to the Church Safety Guys, and uh, we have guest Daniel Blevins with us from CV Ministries and from the uh, awesome awesomeness of 
<laughs> prevention podcast. Thank you. You know, he was I love squirm. He's I was right going to see squirm. <laughs> he was, I've been there. You're buffering going, I, I'm reaching. The memory's not accessible. How many church safety guys does it take to introduce our guest? All right. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to turn it over next time. I'm just going to turn it over to the two of you and you can introduce our guest. Thankfully, he's he's merciful and forgiving. <laughs> he had to be to actually, uh, you know, come on. Our come show. back. <laughs> defender. No, this is always a good time. Yeah. Um, and Paul is actually my guest for the next two weeks uh, on the on the podcast as well. So oh, wow. we'll catch it on, on your guys's, you know, you guys will have the link on your pages and things like that. How much did he pay you for that, Daniel? Um, he, I can't say because okay. you got charged, you know, equal, you know, oh, my goodness. so are you telling me I'm going to see this invoice come across my desk for CSG that, uh, yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. All right. So we're talking about the OODA loop tonight. And uh, oh, yeah. we're going to jump into the, the Orient portion of it. This, I mean, this topic we could probably spend the next month talking about easily. Um, but uh, Daniel, what are, what are your thoughts on the Orient piece of it? Yeah. So even as we were going through, you know, the observe portion, I thought, gosh, I'm talking fast, but you know, there is so much in it, it really um, on that, the Orient portion, you know, what's kind of funny is um, learning how, you know, you're analyzing what you've taken in from the observation portion of it. And then now you're interpreting it. Um, you're interpreting that information. It, this is, this is something that you can really train on, on your own when you go places. Um, you know, a great example of walking into a restaurant with a bunch of security minded individuals um, and trying to work, trying, you know, everybody's racing for the seat in the corner. Uh -huh. um, yeah. So, so that they can observe everything else that's going on. Right. Um, but it's really teaching, you know, you know, fortunately I've taught my kids, particularly my daughter to be very um, situationally aware, you know, observing, orienting herself appropriately um, in that uh, so that you, but think in your mind as you're out in places if X happens, what is Y, essentially? You know, you run these what ifs through your brain because, as, you know, we're not law enforcement. We're not um, able to to have, you know, the so-called stick time. Uh, you know, like a pilot would say, you know, we don't have those that that time to be able to, um, you know, practice it all the time. It's good to run scenarios. I, I'm a firm believer in running scenarios in, in church security training uh, because that's one, you know, one of the best ways to learn, and you can definitely run some of these. Um, but to think about those things, um, but then you still got to consider, consider your physical state. Um, again, like we talked about before, um, how am I, what am I, am I physically fit enough to be able to respond if X happens, can Y happen? Um, I know, Paul, you talk about this a lot, um, and you guys have a book on, you know, on that, a devotional for that as well. Um, the other thing to, that it really interferes with our orientation is denial and emotional filter. Um, a lot of people's initial reaction when something is happening is, I can't believe it's happening here. Yep. I can't believe this. So they freeze. You have the flight or, you know, fight or flight, you know, or freeze, you know, that, that happens with people at this point. Um, 
you know, that this can't be happening. Uh, the other, the other thing that really interferes with our orientation is our emotional filter. There are individuals um, that not all of us are built to be that security-minded individual, but it doesn't mean you can't train to this. And some of that training is overcoming your emotional filter of I hate violence or, you know, so it, it, that creates that freeze point for them too. They can't believe it's happening. They're in denial, but they may also be saying, you know what? Um, I can't, you know, I, I hate, I hate violence. So I, I'm not going to do anything to protect myself or anything along those lines. It, it's changing that mindset, um, intentionally changing that mindset for that. Um, it's a validation, and, a validation point in their own mind to say, is this happening? I mean, we, we've seen it happen with folks where the fire alarm starts going off and they start see seeking approval from others around them. Is that really happening? Do you hear it? Yeah. Are you going to get up? Well, you're not getting up. Is it just, it must be just a drill or it must be just the, uh, the too much smoke they put in the auditorium for the worship team. <laughs> uh, you know, all those sorts of things. And they're not acting. Because they're, well, they're waiting for that validation of somebody else to confirm right. that, yes, that's what they're hearing. You know, what's what's funny about that, Mike, is, and I think I've told you guys this before, but the last time we had our fire alarm go off on a Sunday morning, um, it was our HVAC system was malfunctioning in part of um, in part of the building. And so the alarm went off people had that deer in the headlights look like, I don't know if I'm supposed to like leave the building or what. And so I'm like yelling at people, you know, get out, get out of the building till I figure out, you know, what's, what's going on. And I find out later, my two of my teenagers had been in um, the youth area, youth department. And they're like, I, well, dad didn't say there was a drill, so we're going to go outside. So they got their stuff and got up and walked out. And they were like the only kids that did. <laughs> and they're like standing out there. And I think somebody who might have been the youth pastor was like, why are you guys outside? And they're like, because, you know, our dad didn't say that it was a drill. So we're going to assume that <laughs> it's not. Yep. I want to jump in really quickly, but I want to I want to get back to the OODA loop as, as fast as possible, because what, what we're talking about is indecision can get people killed. And this is where a lack of training, if we don't have that in the matrix of our OODA loop, the, the, the faster that we can make a decision based on prior experience and thought, we can we can have we can execute a fast OODA loop. Well, I literally was talking to a chief of police and a, a church security leader in the last week that the chief of police was was unbelievably frustrated. He was at his house. He was off duty. Um, he got a call from dispatch saying one of your officers is not responding to the status check. I've got county units on, on the way, but you live like one minute away. You're going to get there before them because they're like 18, 20 minutes out. Right. You know, rural communities, everybody's spread out, not a big population. He rolls up and his his uh, officer that's under him is uh, is fighting for his life on the ground with the guy who jumped out of the car as, as he was coming up to to arrest him. They're fighting. And he comes up and he literally he steps on the guy's hand and pointed something that deploys lead at his face and said, do it again. And the guy stopped and decided he didn't want to do it again. And uh, it's amazing how that works. And then he turns around and he dresses down no fewer than eight members of his city and goes, you were watching my officer lose a fight. And they were like, well, uh, we, 
we really weren't sure what to do. And one guy goes, well, I thought maybe I'd get in trouble if I helped. It hurts. Mm -hmm. And so, but that is where indecision can kill. And I had a conversation with a church safety team leader the other day who was, he was bemoaning his situation. His church leadership does not want to meet with him to talk through potential scenarios, i.e. someone rushes the stage. Somebody does this. Somebody comes through the back. What do we do if this, this is how you exit the stage. They don't want to have that conversation. And he's like, but, but you have to understand if we don't have an SOP for this, somebody gets hurt. I don't want my guys to, to look at each other and go, do we what? Because indecision kills. Um, we can't we can't execute an, an OODA loop without training and practice, Dan, back to what you were saying. Uh, if we don't have, if we're not wargaming and thinking and strategizing, and, you know, if my OODA loop is this big and the bad guy's OODA loop is this big, I'm in trouble. So. Yeah, uh, and you were touching on it right away, you know, that the more that we practice that observe and orient, then that decision process needs to be the quickest piece. This is the quickest piece of the whole OODA loop process. Um, if we are practicing this in our trainings, if we're practicing this, practicing this while we're out in public with our families, by ourselves, whatever the case is, if we're practicing this, then, then we're, we're creating those um, videos essentially in our mind of what we would do. And that helps us in the, in the decision process. Um, it, it is, um, you know, I call it the brake light theory. And I'm sure I'm not the first one to use that. But when we're driving and we see in the car right in front of us, the brake lights come on, what's our natural reaction to go for the brake pedal, right? We don't have to think about it. We don't have to consider it. There isn't any question on it. Should I brake? Should I not brake? Although our wives probably think that's exactly what we're doing. Um, sorry. <laughs> Inside voice again. Um, the uh, Danger. Danger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but it, you know, but having that, but we get to that decide point, um, just, we need to be able to react just like that brake light that when we see it, we react no other, no other thought. Um, we want to keep it simple. We don't want to have a ton of choices. It, it's like, you know, one of our firearms trainers, he says, you know, you don't want to carry a bunch of guns on you or a bunch of weapons on you because, you know, which one do I take for this situation? No. I train for the one that I have on me all the time. Um, it, it slows down our response if we create too many because there's nothing that's cookie cutter, but we should have a general idea of how we want to respond in that. Otherwise, we we create an analysis paralysis in that. We've overanalyzed what we're going to do. We've overthought about it. Um, my wife, you know, love her. She's a great thinker. And in most situations, she'll think about every possible thing that could happen, you know, and, and, and you know, in it or how is somebody feeling? And that's just how, who she is. And so it's even her training. She knows that she, if something were to happen, she knows what she's going to do because she practices that because it's outside of her norm mm -hmm. in that. Yeah. Um, if we don't do the decide portion quickly, then it's just going to increase our stress level. Go back to, Colonel Grossman, I've traveled with him for years, love his book on combat, um, where it talks about what does our body do and how do we fight that? How mm -hmm. do we fight those stresses? How do we fight the tunnel vision, the uncertainty, all of that um, through, you know, different breathing, different whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. 
in that. So that decide portion needs to be a very quick, you know, quick thing that we that we we draw up in our minds. I think some talk about it as proacting versus reacting. Absolutely. It's kind of being proactively thinking about it and going through that mentally in your mind so that you've gone through and accomplished the mental fight before you get in the actual fight. Yeah. Well, that it's you're fighting in a sense, you're fighting complacency too, right? Because what is, what is the most normal thing that happens to us during a Sunday? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I know for my, for myself, I have a pattern, uh, like I mentioned earlier and, and, and Paul mentioned it where, you know, I'll come in, I'll walk around, you know, between services, I'll go through, I'll, I'll sweep the, the sanctuary again. I'll check doors that I've already checked, check them twice. And if I don't do that, it nags me like, Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not saying like just irritating, like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm OCD or something like that. It's if I choose that day, okay, I don't have myself timed, my walk timed to, to hit these milestones, then it bothers me because I don't know. And, and again, it's, it's deciding to act and trying to, now I don't always, you know, I mean, I'm just going to be honest and, and transparent with you guys it might be kind of a surprise, but I don't always like doing safety at my church (laughs) because to me, a lot of times I feel, I feel like, you know what? And, and I'm not, I'm, I'm telling the truth. You know, I walk in and it's like, why do I need to check that door? I always check that door. Somebody else should check that door. Right. But I'll sit down and if I don't go check it, in my mind, my mind will be circling the OODA loop and going through these things and, and saying, okay, wait a second, previous experience in Orient, right? It's ringing, it's coming up, new information. What do we do? Okay, I got to get up and go check the door. So, but I'll throw it over to Paul. Now, there were two things as, as we unfortunately have to start winding down the conversation. There's two things. And, and Mike, I wanted to go back to something you said a minute ago. You said it was what instead of reacting? Did you say pre? Proacting. Proactive. Proactive, mm-hmm. Proactive uh, thinking. Walking like- through it and thinking about it. See, the reason that that resonates with me is like there'll be a glass up on top of a table and somebody will bump it and I will catch it halfway to the floor. People are like, man, you're fast. And I'm like, no. I saw the glass and I'm I'm thinking this, I saw the glass tip and I know in a straight line because gravity, yeah, exactly. I know if my hand is here, the glass will land here. And I've talked to veterans of law enforcement that understand how people think and the way that people tend to lunge. Right-handed people tend to move to their right and they are spooky accurate because they know human psychology well, they are, they are doing so, they are doing so in a way that is predictive. And uh, they know that that guy, they've seen him use his right hand. If he's going to go for a weapon, it's probably going to be with his right hand or whatever. And they are spooky accurate with it. So that's one. And I love that. I love that, Dan, because it goes back to what you were saying is if you've been through the analogy enough times, what you're then doing is um, you are creating those patterns of going, oh, glass tip, react, catch glass, glass didn't shatter. And those, those make us seem like we have, um, well, they're definitely useful, but they make, they make us seem like we're maybe better than we really are. And then talking about the OODA loop, and I want, I want you to come back into the OODA loop again, 
before we're done, but I had a, I had a friend who was in ministry that was a nut and he hated roundabouts. And I think roundabouts are pretty cool because if, if people halfway know what they're doing with a roundabout, it's amazing. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't. So here's what my friend does. Now com- contrast this with the OODA loop. He would go up on and then he would start going around and around and around and he wouldn't get off the exit. I'm like, you are going to get us arrested. Go, you know, and and there are people and we've all seen it because we talk about fight or flight. But you talked about this, I believe, Dan, in one of the broadcasts we were on. There's also freeze. And if we can't successfully complete the OODA loop, which goes back to what you were just saying, that's where we do that deer in the headlights thing. And we know that doesn't end well for the deer. So, yeah, absolutely. I'll have to tell you later a, a story about a roundabout in during Desert Storm in in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> that, but we'll we'll tell that later. Um, <laughs> so, so the um, the final one is the act. Um, we'll, we'll hit that because I know we are tight on time here. We can then we can touch back on anything. Um, but then it's it's carrying out our decision. Um, and gosh, you know, and my mind keeps going is that on so many different things that we could cover on this uh, outside of the short time, but carrying out our decision is vital. Be confident in the decision. There's guys on our security team um, that are not armed um, and we've, they, they have a heart to serve, um, but we don't trust them with a, with a gun. Um, and, and we know that they are too, their, their thought process. We've observed them over the years in situations, their thought processes are just too slow in it. Um, we want people that are going to be able to have good discernment and a good thought process in it and that are training themselves to have that good, that good thought process. This is why in many ways, verbal de-escalation, conflict resolution, situational awareness, all of these all really tie together because um, you are, they all have to, um, you're acting and then you're observing what the result is. So we can't assume that the OODA loop is just for a hands-on event. This yeah. could be very well in our conversation in a de-escalation conversation that we're having with somebody to where we need to play these things through our mind as well. How are these conversations going to go? Are we using our strip phrases? Are we using you know the, all the techniques that we have to use it? Did it work? No, it didn't work. So that, that's part of the act. It's, it's if it didn't work, what our des- if we didn't get the desired um, voluntary compliance that we were seeking, then then we need to go back and take a look at did we observe something wrong? Did we orient something? You know, did we orient wrong to the situation? Um, you know, and then and then go through it again. And it, and honestly, the more we practice it, the you know, like Paul was saying, the quicker it is because we want to be very quick in in this with our with our skills. And to that, you're almost each time somebody responds to something you might say, we're we're kind of uh, going through a quick OODA loop in a way there when we're listening, when we're Absolutely. reacting and responding just verbally. So it's not just physical action or or some sort of movement that we're taking as a result of something we've observed, but really in everything we say and do, it can be applied really with the OODA loop overall. So we observe that that didn't work. We're oriented why it didn't work. Did they escalate? Did they do something else? We're going to now further decide to now take it in a different direction or say something different and therefore deliver. 
So, yeah, let me let me say this real quick, because that's a great point, Mike, um, is that in and I talk about it in the communications aspect of our seminar is that, you know, when we, even when we communicate with our spouses, but it doesn't matter whether it's our spouse, whether it's our our boss or whoever it is, there's not just one key that unlocks that communication with them. And that's that observing we can observe their body language. Is, is what I'm communicating to them, um, are they are they accepting it? They're not. Let me try and find, all too often us guys say, you know, we think if we say it louder or say it faster or slower, that it's, you know, and we say the same thing, that it's actually getting the point across. And it's not. And we know that doesn't work with our wives. Um, a lot of times we have to change how we're saying it. Okay, so what I said it, when I said it this way, it didn't work. So let me try a different key in this communication and let's try this way um, to, to do it. And I don't care how many keys I have to try, particularly with my wife to get effective communication. I'm going to do it so that there's a common understanding. It's no different than if I'm talking with a homeless person or somebody that's agitated on our church property or anything else. I want that voluntary compliance. Um, and I, and if it's not clicking, if I'm not asking the right questions, if they're not responding the way that they you know really should, that we've observed in the past a, a normal situation would be then, then yeah, then sure. We got to I even it up. see that. I even see that in a person that is potentially um, escalating even say from, from the seats and usher may contact them. We observe that an usher has now made contact. We're, we're now moving ourselves closer to be in a position of cover and we're orienting to what is going on. They're still refusing we're making a decision to enter that picture. And then we are acting with either in a light touch of, sir, you need to step outside or with a light hands on and escorting them out. And again, we're kind of following that same OODA loop in that process as well. Right. Yep. Absolutely. That's, I love that because we win 100% of the fights that we don't have to fight. And something I have learned in the last several years is I will observe a facial tick and I'll realize that the way that I said something to someone I chaplain or whatever, I'll realize that, that they, they had this facial tick when I said something. At some level, what I had just said did not go over well. And I'll say, you know, I'm doing a really poor job of explaining this. Let me try again and I'll go back. And because I've realized, you know, we can – what might have dodged a bullet there and and to be able to come back out of it and i've i've straight up we're guys we've all put our foots in our mouths and and you know sometimes sometimes up to the knee right dan's like never ever and uh what? <laughs> but it's it's something that we do and if we and if we love and we want to build relationships we're not here to be like sir look at me you weren't you know we're not about that and and it can be hard in some of those situations we're not james is like wait what he's like, i don't even know if james could even come up with that voice <laughs> uh, he could. could you because you you were in the air force not the marines or i know but i do have a sergeant dan's voice and yeah okay that's what that's what, the, that's what they call it when dan gets his point across so no, very I, and, and i'm just gonna say you know what honestly i if it if it had been a couple of years ago i would have said you're absolutely right but you know, that was an opportunity for me that I had to learn. Honestly, I had to learn how to have a more commanding voice sure. in that type of situation. So, but yeah, 
uh, I'm giving it back to Paul here. So we can close. It's out. a really amazing topic. And, and Dan, I will tell you, and I messaged this to you earlier, I could literally see you unpacking this across multiple episodes of your podcast. Um, I could literally see an, an, an episode dedicated to each topic because it's such a deep and rich topic. And, and when we can understand something like that, we can catch ourselves in the moment and we can we can do little things that that can grease those wheels and make the, the gears turn more quickly. And uh, so one of the things that I do, I'm going to see if I can get it up here, is behind me. You may have seen me reach up and grab it. I've got a die that's on this board and it's up here to remind me to train and to stay focused. I want to roll straight sixes, de-escalation, all of it. I, I want my OODA loop to be tight in those situations because when it comes time to act, I want I want the bad guy or the bad situation, if it's a fire, I want the bad guy to roll a one and I'm rolling a half dozen straight sixes, right? And, and so that's a, a very physical reminder up here behind me about all of the training and all of the experience and thinking because if I walk into a convenience store and somebody's holding a knife across the counter at the, the cashier, I don't want to go, okay, gee, what do I do? There's something about the backstop. There's something about, wait, are they close enough to actually hurt them? Does it look like it's about to, have they turned their back and are they running? What should I do? And we've all seen somebody overreact. There was a, there was a woman I read about recently in a park, some teenage boys, 11, 12, 13 year old boys, they were vandalizing something. She pulled a gun pointed it in the air and demanded that they get on the ground. She was in no direct threat. She did not have the right to detain them. She probably in a lot of trouble. And so she had not thought she had not trained and she just went kachow and whipped this thing out. Pretty good chance. The only person that went to jail that day was her. And right. so th there's so much to the OODA loop that if we don't want to mess up and those mess ups can echo to go back to the beginning, James, uh, Sutherland Springs. Mm -hmm. That's a situation where somebody had trained and trained and trained and trained, including against body armor. And he ran out barefoot and took eight rounds with him and, and got a guy to break contact and flee the scene. A lot of people without that training, without that thought process, without the armament in that moment, they're not going to perform. So gentlemen, anything else before I close this out in prayer? No, go for it. All right. So I love this. Thanks for coming on, Dan. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you for ministry opportunities. I thank you for guests who have a heart of ministry. I, and I ask that you would guide, bless, and protect our guest tonight. Uh, give him the desires of his heart, Lord God. And uh, you know the things he's seeking. You know the ministry opportunities he's looking for. I ask that you would grant those. And Lord God, I thank you for these kinds of conversa conversations, Lord God. I ask that they would reach the right ears, that they would help people to go, oh, I need to work on that. And Lord God, I know that I've had some aha moments tonight thinking and listening and, and maybe a deeper understanding of the OODA loop, Lord. So I thank you for these opportunities. I ask that you would keep uh, everyone that's affected by the, the snowfall in some of these places, Lord God. Uh, they're, they're experiencing snowfall they never get and slick conditions and dangerous conditions they never get. And I ask for protection over them, Lord God. And uh, we just lift tonight up to you and your son, Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks a lot, guys. Amen. Happy Good. Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Day. <laughs> Free hugs. Yeah, let's don't spend it with any more guys. <laughs> Free hugs, yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyhow, thanks for listening. Uh, feel free to check out our website at churchsafetyguys.com uh, for more resources. Next week, I think we're actually, we're going to have a few other special guests on that are, are great friends of ours. 
and we're going to be talking about uh, physical building assessments and assessing your place of worship. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a, another great time. So until next next time, next week, take care. God bless. And we'll we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams. Consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. Visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.